Thank you for downloading this podcast and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth, the podcast to help the channel better understand the trends, technologies and concepts facing the IT industry today. I'm your host, David Fern. We hope you enjoy this Arrow production. And please subscribe. Thanks. Hi, and welcome to a special episode of Arrow Bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, Rich and I are going to try and explain uh, and describe and sort of take you into a little bit of detail about um, a project we've been working on for 18 months now, I think it's probably not a million miles off that. I think we've uh, the, you know, we've been working on it, so... Yeah, you've been you've been squirreled away in the little workshop back what, in the shires. What I'm calling the Arrow Labs. <laughs> the Arrow Labs, <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, we pushed some routers out of the way, got a bit of space in uh, in the warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, <laughs> so basically, um, bit of background. So at the start of 2015, mm, long so time ago now, only blinking last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the start of 2015, we decided that, um, and this is something. I'll, I'm going to go back one, one step even further. Every partner we, we talk to, one of the first things I ask them, what do you want to be famous for? So it's really, really simple. What do you want to be famous for? And then you tell me. Do you mm. know what? More often than not, partners go, uh, everything, whatever the customer wants. I'm like, no. That's probably the top two. Because in the world we live in today, it's not about being famous for everything. It's about actually having some genuine value and value means focus and focus means getting yourself underneath the covers of one specific thing in my personal world yeah yeah. and (coughs) i think where we're going with this is you know it's i want to paraphrase some something that we've we've used I will pretty much guess on nearly every podcast. It's yeah. about the business outcome. Yeah, exactly. Again. So how do we exactly. ap- how do we apply the technology, the IT, the products, um, software, service, infrastructure, security, whatever it is? How do you apply it? What business problems, issues are you fixing? What mm-hmm. competitive advantage are you allowing your clients to leverage? Exactly. So, so that's the background to, to why we had the conversation in the first place. And, and I asked it of myself and I asked it of the company. Mm. And essentially what we said was, well, where's there an opportunity? And we saw a relatively misunderstood area of our business being analytics. Just the one? Just the one, for now. Mm. Uh, you've got to start somewhere. And yep. this, is, um, <coughs> this comes right back, though, to exactly what we're talking about. It's all yeah. about focus. It's all about exactly. direction. So we decided we were going to focus on analytics. And fundamentally... I said, well, okay, if we want to be famous for analytics, then we need to do something that essentially steps us outside of the sphere so that when our partners come in with their own customers, they can have something that really helps them to articulate the value of analytics, big data, um, all the good things that come from this type of approach to technology um, and helps that customer to understand how to use data to create better decision-making process, better outcomes, better whatever it may be. Whatever they needed, whatever business outcome they needed, data-driven decision-making, this will help them to understand how they achieve that in the organisation. And what did we do, David? So we created something called How Happy's London. So this podcast is essentially going to be us talking and describing and hopefully helping you, our listener, our partners, our, our channel at large, to understand exactly what How Happy's London is. And mm-hmm. why, more importantly, 
why you will use it, why you need to use it as a powerful tool to help you to really own an analytics conversation. That's a bit, that's, that's pretty much a showstopper, is that one, isn't it? Well, I'd like to think so. Straight away, so so essentially, what was the business problem we were trying to fix with, with Help is London? So it's really, really simple. At this point in time, rightly or wrongly, and I think rightly, and we, we spoke to a lot of partners, mm-hmm. spoke to a lot of vendors, the single biggest thing holding customers back from from sort of uh, adopting big data or analytic system, and by the way, uh, we've covered this up in a couple of podcasts private, pre- prior to this, but big data is not about billions and billions and billions of bits of data. It's about something we call dimensionality. And it's what's big to you, relatively speaking, well, what's on scale to you. It's, it's more than that. It's more dimensionality of data is all about not just looking at one specific dimension of your business. And by dimension, I mean sales or customer satisfaction or ROI or be whatever. But hang on a on moment. The they have never ever, ever interacted together. They have always been dealt with in silo. They have. Um, so the idea is that, you know, people look at their businesses in, in one dimension. So, and generally, they do it on an Excel spreadsheet. So I think almost all organizations, whether they do today, have started doing analytics of some description with a spreadsheet, making pretty graphs, dumping them with PowerPoints, done. That is our business. Done. Nothing... Uh, and that then decision making is based on are we tracking above or below last year and then how do we fix that problem well read into the numbers and and go from there but that's just looking at sales and this is my biggest problem with mm. with the world today and so big data is essentially increasing the dimensionality of your data it's increasing the number of feeds of 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 diverse information that you bring together to create a more enriched, more data-centric answer. The more you can see, the more you can stand a better chance of see. seeing the interaction. <laughs> sorry, what was that? The more you can see, the more you can see. The more you can see, the more you can see. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, so, yes. So, the more you can see, in the singular, not in the stereo, stereo um, <coughs> the, the more chance that you have of finding correlations, yeah. interlinks, effect, cause and effect. Yep, and that's exactly it. Okay, so it was all about how do we help the channel to articulate this message of consuming multiple data sources in one go? So we needed to come up with an idea that essentially um, could immediately strike and people could understand. They had to have context and relevance, which is quite difficult. So we looked around our vendor portfolio, and our vendors either had great relevance, as in what they did really meant something, mm. but the context in which they displayed the results was was irrelevant it didn't really make sense or they had fantastic ways of visualizing the data but the problem was that they didn't necessarily have the relevance so the context was there to to sort of see something but its ability to be relevant wasn't so essentially we went away and and we took basically a selection of all of our vendors and put them together into this project now essentially the, the purpose of the project was to understand and determine estimate calculate whichever way you call it, the happiness of London. Wow. Why did we do that? Well, the happiness of London, you can't tell the happiness of London by just looking at the trains 
or the buses, or the roads, or, or the, the population, weather. let's be fair. Or the population, or the socioeconomic factors, or Twitter, or Facebook, or TripAdvisor. You have to take all of this into account, because London is a really diverse, organic entity, much like an organisation, much like a business. Yep. So the purpose of How Happy's London is to essentially bring to life that concept of, if you want to understand your business, then you need to look at it from multiple different ways. So mm-hmm. thousand foot view is you take transportation and you replace it with sales. So that will be, you know, the buses, the roads, the tubes. Yep. You take um, weather, which is obviously, you know, chance of rain, temperature, um, weather type. And you rip that out and you replace it with um, customer satisfaction. Or oper- operational data. Operational overhead, yeah. whatever it may be. Um, leaving social. For yep. a real basic one, because it's a great social barometer of your business. And immediately, you can start to understand the happiness of your organization and the success of your organization. And essentially, if you're doing that well, mm-hmm. then you can look at that first thing in the morning and you can say, all right, business is happy. We can go and be proactive. I think the important thing as well is, you know, you, <coughs> you can't just, or you don't just limit yourself to looking at those numbers on a spreadsheet. No. So, you know, the... Yeah, how how is revenue tracking? How is uh, how are your product lines faring? You know, where where do you make your profit? Um, where do you see correlations there? But you can also start to attempt to quantify certain things that in the past have been unquantifiable. So yeah. certain things like your brand value, the the manner in which you are perceived in the marketplace by your customers. Your potential customers, yeah, uh, and also, yeah, in in an ever connected world, in a you know, in a situation where, yeah, outside influences come to bear, then you know what you might not want to rip weather out. You know, weather might play an absolutely, well, absolutely immense part you know, on other areas of, of yeah. the performance that you measure. And I think the whole purpose of the Help Is project is to essentially bring to life that relatively abstract concept of what big data means and, and how mm. it can be used and how you can leverage it and how you can do all the clever stuff. Um, because without that sort of um, context and understanding, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to articulate the value of big data to someone who doesn't necessarily understand that their business needs to run on more than one dimension of data or their business needs to understand you know, how different things combine to, to better understand an outcome. I will. Uh, I'll simplify it even further by saying, you know what? It, it's a way to demonstrate to partners and clients and their clients and users that actually, you know what? You don't just sit there and dismiss big data or analytics as yeah, not being something that's appropriate or you know for us or oh well yeah you know we'd, we'd like to but oh god no we we can't get involved. Yeah, a bit scary. It's, yeah, it's too scary. It's too yeah. big. It's it's going to cost too much. It's you know, you know, when we see a return on investment, when oh, oh, you know, all the blockers and barriers that it's so easy to just throw out there and say, oh no, not for us. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And then, and you know, so the, the underlying um, thing with 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 How Happy's London, the whole purpose of the Big London Project, the big the, sorry, How Happy's <laughs> the Big London hang Project. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> this is this is the next phase two. Um, 
Uh, so the whole purpose of, of the Halpy London project was to help bring some context to, to big data yeah. and also to, to actually bring a solution to big data. So underpinning the Halpy London project is um, Arrow's reference architecture for analytics, which, mm. and I've, I've covered this on the podcast, but we will 100% go over it again now, which is all about, it's a, it's a framework or a methodology yep. for processing big data. It starts with ingestion, and it's all about being able to ingest as many data sources as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. It then goes through to um, ETL, which for those of you who have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, stands for extract, transform, and load. Now, this is a really, really important and, and often misunderstood or, or mis, missed out altogether, yep. I'm going to go with, process in, in big data. So essentially, ETL, extract, transform, load, means exactly what it is. Take the data you've just ingested, extract what you need from it. So for example, yep. when we're pulling Twitter in, every single tweet, actually depending on how full someone's profile is, but every single tweet has about 64 different bits of data to it. 64 bits of data. All mm. I want is the tweet. So I extract that tweet. That's all I do. So and literally that one thing, field. Yeah. I yeah. then transform it. So okay, so at the moment it's gobbledygook, Twitter. It's just a string of characters. It's a string of characters. It's unstructured. So we then pass it up to some other systems, which we will come on to in a minute when we start talking about the cognitive element Ooh. of Halby's London. Mm-hmm. So we're transforming that data into something valuable and useful. Yep. We can also replace the T for an E and have enrich. So we could enrich the data with other fields from other pieces of data that we might also be ingesting and combining at this stage. Mm-hmm. And then we load. Loading just means that we take the data that we've extracted, transformed into something valuable, and then we load it into somewhere. So essentially we load it into a database, or we load it into a Hadoop cluster, or we load it onto something. Yep. So that brings me to the next stage. So we've had ingest, ETL, store. Store is all about actually storing the data somewhere. So we've got this highly refined data that we've basically passed through our ETL process, we've ingested via whatever method, mm-hmm. We then store it on a database, be that standard, old-school database, SQL database, yeah. no SQL database, Hadoop cluster, <laughs> RMMs. For those of you know, I think I've got redundant memory, uh, the Spark uh, storage protocol, um, be it freaking graph database, whatever it may be, you drop it into a pool of something. Data lake, whatever. I'll let you off. As somebody with a DBA, sir, I'll let you off. Thank you. Um, yeah, you, you you drop it into them with the days. Damn talk, but anyway, um, anyway, so you you drop it into here. So that's yes. your, that's your that's your store, and you're yep. storing the data. The last phase is explore. Ooh. So essentially, visualizing, utilizing that data in some way to to actually drive that business outcome. Be that a dashboard, be that a report, be that mm. an automated, you know. Mm. you know crazy as it might sound you might have a greenhouse with 10,000 sensors sensing every possible bit of the the grass and the and the humidity and the temperature so that's yeah we're ingesting that sort of data transforming it by sort of understanding exactly where it is and 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 tagging on sort of location data and, and outcome data storing it and then the explore may be as simple as open or close a window it might be as simple as water the plants it might be as simple as you know, tell the farmer that there's this... Oh God, I'm back to farms again, aren't I? <laughs> you are. <Might> be, <laughs> it 
who might be Keep simply going. Tell, telling a farmer there's a problem somewhere. That is as simple yeah. as it could be. Or it could be as complicated as a bank trying to essentially do algo trading. So algorithm trading. Yeah. You know, where it really is incredibly, incredibly complicated mathematical models. Uh, and this and everything in between. Yeah. And, and again, you know, you, you, you beat me to there, everything in between. You know, the, the explore element isn't just presenting a pretty graph. No. It is not no. just presenting a dashboard with a... I don't know, uh, a needle and, and graph chart and the, you know, full empty. Um, you know, it, it, it can quite easily be the, an element of a feedback loop. So yep. like you say, you know, a, an actuation, a close that window there or raise that stock order there or something like that. Yeah, and that's the big thing for me, okay? It's all about, we, people get too stuck in the fact that analytics is all about board level, you know, visualizations or dashboards on the walls yeah. of, you know, network operating centers or sales offices or yep. call centers. It's not all about that. Um, just to touch on as well, one of the other areas that we found, so we found in, in total as part of our research when we decided to create How is London, there was not just people who use spreadsheets and think that's analytics. There mm -hmm. was those three um, areas that we found uh, where we essentially are targeting this is three sort of common misconceptions about big data analytics. So the first is that you can use Excel to do analytics. You absolutely can. No, this, you Sorry, absolutely yes, can. I shouldn't. Uh, you you but could, yes, but yes. you're looking at your business in one dimension. It's very yes. difficult to start to use Excel to any real value to start to, A, explore multiple dimensions of data, mm -hmm. and secondly, to do that in any sort of real-time context. In fact, that's, that's not impossible because you're taking flat data and looking at it in in essentially retrospective. One, yeah. Number two mm -hmm. was customers who got that big data was important, but hadn't figured out the data. Well, the, the, the they'd figured out the big and the data, but not really the, what they're going to do with it. So <laughs> we call these customers store everything customers. Yeah. So these are the customers that go, all right. So hoarders, hoarders. Yeah, yeah. they are digital hoarders. They're so literally, indeed. these people store everything you can ever imagine, but they haven't quite figured out what they want to do with it yet. Mm -hmm. But they understand that the data is valuable. They understand the data has importance, but they, and they understand that all these different bits of data, so not just sales, but, you know, their Twitter, their tweet profile, their social profile, their clicks through on the website, all of these bits of information are important. Yeah. They're just not quite sure how they combine them together yet. Yeah, That's where... Veritas have a term for it. They call it the they call it the databerg. Think of it like an iceberg. Yeah, a tiny little bit above the water that you're actually using. Exactly. Yeah, and then underneath it is an absolute beast. Yes. So I mean, this is these are the guys who who, who do that, and you know, they're great customers of ours. They buy mm -hmm. a lot of storage, but it's about how they actually leverage that data yeah. into valuable insight. So that's the the second cl class, and the third class is the class of customer who adopted analytics pretty early on mm -hmm. and um but worry that you know running a job is a it's a very it centric task you know running a a new report or, or extracting data Building is a, a cube mm, mm. let's not go there you know it's it's an it's a long drawn out yeah. process it, it it's a okay we want a new report blimey that's that's a request to it it's going to take them two months to build the report to understand to build one it's of not the agile. It's, it's not, not agile. agile. And one it's of the things, you know, not sort of time bound from a point of view of no. having it when you want it, where yep. you want it. And the whole point of analytics is that it, it aids the salesperson in their ability to go out and actually have a competitive edge against competition because they've got 
the most relevant, the most accurate, the most sort of up-to-date and mind-blowing stats, statistics, data that they can go and say to that customer, actually, I know exactly about your, I know all about your business. I know all about how I can help it and this is where I'm going to go with it. You say a salesperson, but it, it's that, I suppose it is that that point of interaction with your customer. So it could well be sales. It could be more operational. Yep. Could be a healthcare professional. Could be a teacher. Could I be mean, you know, any could of the red, uh, any of the blue anything. lights. Absolutely anything. Mm. Don't just think about it in the context of sales. No, absolutely not. Very, very good point. Very, very good point. So you know, and and the other thing that so with the people who have those sort of older school models, mm-hmm. one of them big um, non-functional uh, objectives. And for those of you who don't know what non-functional objectives, is, essentially it's a it's an it's a, it's something that we aimed for when we designed How Happy's London mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily affect the functionality but affects the usability and the scope on which that the actual project can be used on. One of the biggest non-functional objectives I had was to design a system that was fit for, albeit power users, but non-IT-centric power users. So it's fit for the line of business. So people who were good at Excel and who felt confident sort of manipulating spreadsheets mm-hmm could take this system because all of the elements, the ingestion phase, is all drag and drop. Mm-hmm. We use drag and drop software. We use um, graphical development interfaces, very yeah. much like an Excel-type product. We use a graphical ETL process, so the, the various different processes that you use to, to process the data are drag and drop, and you drag them and push them and essentially sort of move them around a, a whiteboard to actually make them all work. Yeah. And then the explore stage, once again, multiple options on the table but the ability to then once you've actually created a data input etl stored it the explore phase then becomes a real visual almost gamified drill down colorful engaging experience so you actually want to dive into the data you want to go and explore and understand why you've got that peak and you can start to essentially drop various different things from the data from the database, so that stuff that's in that loaded format, you can drop different elements onto a canvas, onto a, a chart, and it will start to graph. And you can say, well, actually, what happens if I compare, you know, weather over time with traffic? And what happens if I compare, you know, whether some some value of traffic versus the, you know, sales in a specific location versus you know, the weather on that particular day versus, you know, people's what people, you know, how negative or or, or positive or neutral people were being on our social channels. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm giving, I literally like m- tiny, tiny, tiny uh, use cases, but the use cases are endless. I mean, honestly, one of the things I love yeah. about analytics is the limitation is your imagination. And if you fall into any one of those three use cases, either, you know, you're using Excel because you think that's the best tool to, to make your decisions on your business. Mm-hmm. You're storing everything, but you yep. don't know where to start with actually exploring it. Or you are, um, you have a legacy analytics process and I mean business process I'm not talking about a tool I'm talking about your interaction with analytics is yes. we do it once a week because or once Split a month because it's some massive batch thing that takes 12 yeah. hours to do or the ETL process is a nightmare or whatever that is exactly where you should come talk to us Albies London in real time pulls in 2.4 billion data points every day to, to create the happiness of London it's crazy, isn't it? It's but just a number. Can I tell you one of the one of the best things that we've done with Alps London, and, and this came from um, I sat through seriously the best um, lecture I've ever sat through was from the um, the head of analytics, head of data sciences for CERN. Yeah. 
And um, he said, <laughs> he opened his th- speech with, you think you've got big data problems, you don't know you're alive. <laughs> I was like, all right, this sounds That'll awesome. Do. This sounds awesome. So, so he literally said, our big data problem is that when we run up the LHC, we, um, we create more data than can be transported across any network, t- too much, and we create, and, and it, if, if you know, we, we get rid of that piece, and we can actually get it onto disk, there isn't a disk subsystem in the world that could, um, that could actually store it quick enough. There's a third problem as well. If we did store all this data, we create so much data in such a short period of time that it would take all the world's computing 100 years to actually pull out the results that we actually needed. Nowhere near the sort of time frame that we want to actually be able to compute things on. So he said, it's like a needle in a haystack. Yep. So he said, well, we, we flipped on his head and we use a methodology called burn the hay. Like, <laughs> this sounds <"Okay."> good. <laughs> so he was like, so instead of sifting through billions and trillions and gazillions, not in the world, but, you know, of results, what we do is we have a filter on every single um, sensor on the LHC. And in real time, it filters out all known physics. And at this point, you can just look around the crowd and was like, uh? And literally said, yeah. So in real time, this sensor disregards, wow. burns all the all the data that's coming off the LHC that's known. Seen it before, seen it before, seen it before, seen it before. Oh, that's new. We'll keep that. Exactly. He said, so basically, we end up with about 300 terabytes back on disk. <laughs> about. About. And he said, that's about 90% errors. So then awesome. we, we're left with 30 terabytes of data, of which about 0.01% is actually the stuff we want. And then we're left with 100 gig. Within a relatively, you know, couple of days, we've got 100 gig. That gets distributed out to the distributed out to the various universities around the world who take mm-hmm. advantage of the data and start to interrogate, look, do all the clever stuff. And I was blown away. And essentially, what we've done with Halpies London is we've done exactly the same thing. So when, for example, when we pull in the road data from TfL, yep. we have a last count about 136,000 lines of data every single time we put it in, every minute, because. Every single road in the whole of London, we get every single waypoint, every single so every single hundred meters mile, depending on how straight the road is. So it's all about you know longitude, latitude coordinates. Mm-hmm. Every single time, we get every road and all of its waypoints around the place, and then descriptions and all this sort of stuff. I don't need that level of information. Mm. I don't need to store 136,000 rows of data. I need to very very quickly in real time understand where are the roads that have got problems. So I do an immediate filtration and get rid of every road that doesn't have a problem. I then immediately rate those roads based on, is it planned maintenance? In which case, everyone knew about it. Is it uh, you know, a partial closure that's yep. unexpected? Is it a full closure? And is it you know, a full-on crash and everyone's, you know, might as well just pack up and go home? I can immediately understand that. And I turn 136,000 lines of data into... Um, number of outcomes mm-hmm. so a number of values that essentially associate to the roads i then sum that again so i've got i've gone from 136,000 lines into 3,600 lines which is essentially the rating for every road in london you're doing well i then go from that sum it all down into a single value so i take 136,000 lines and store one value and that is the real-time um index the real-time you know, quality of the roads in London. Now, this is the important thing, right? It might be one value, 
is one very important value. It's a very important and value. And it's derived. And you are, you are monitoring. You are checking that value mm. every minute. Yep. And it's derived from data that we then we extract, we then transform, 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 and what we load is one value. Mm. So we may pull in 2.4 billion data points, but every single day, when I, when I look across all the different data services that we, we pull off, and by the way, all of our data is open data. So this is one thing I was going to uh, be, be gonna mention, and you, you've kind of beat me to it there. Um, yeah, when, when we look at the data that a, a business, uh, any business can, can leverage, there is this whole set of data available, accessible, outside of that business's enterprise, mm -hmm. which we class as open data. So this could be, well, this could be, this is anonymized data. This is data that is not covered by rules and regulations of uh, Data Privacy Act. It is data that other organizations, businesses, public-private sector, make available through, uh, to be accessed to anybody else through the likes of APIs. Mm -hmm. So the important concepts here to to take on board as, as we try to look at how we can leverage more value, more context from a tool such as How Happy is London is accessing data that typically we would not have within our domain, within our business. So that's as Dave's just covered there, that's things like weather data, that's transport data. Uh, and it's how we can quickly and easily access and then pull in, ingest that data from those other sources. This is where the whole idea, and we've covered it in a previous podcast, of, of the API economy comes to bear. What it enables us to do is practically bring in data that augments yep. what we own and what we yep. have access to today so that we can infer better value, other values, so that we can start using it to possibly influence the decisions that we are going to take moving forward. Yep. Yep, and that's that's so important. And this is the thing, I think, so I mean, I always um, I always go back to um, a specific website and uh, it's it's owned and sort of uh, and curated by a, a company called MuleSoft and we don't sell MuleSoft, but they're yep. a really good integration engine and mm -hmm. um, a website that they own is called Programmable Web and Programmable Web is literally the um, web's directory of every um, API open and closed data source um, in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, almost all of them. If anyone who wants to be known, that's yeah. like the definitive directory. There's about 16,000 data sources in there. Everything from finance to AI to uh, weather to mapping and location, all sorts. Really, really, I'd, anyone who's interested in, you know, looking at other data that they can consume to enrich or enhance what they already do, I would highly advise look at this website, Absolutely. have a little search, see what data is available, put a few records down, have a bit of a look. Is it valuable? Do you think it's going to make a difference? Mm -hmm. It's cool. Really, really cool. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is sort of moving on. So at the moment, what we're doing is we're giving a point in time, this is the happiness of London now. Yes. Which is valuable, but mm -hmm. but I think we can do better. 
So one of the things I want to sort of talk about now, just sort of wrap up and finish on, is what's the future of the Halby London project? So the future is, um, there's two phases that I've got in plan today. Um, one of them is, is, is majoritively around um, how we predict the happiness of London tomorrow. Wow. Because if you can predict the happiness of London tomorrow, you can do something really, really clever, which is leads me into phase three. Now, phase three is where I personally, this is where I am, this is what I've been aiming for from day one, but one of the big reasons we've gone in this progressive staged approach is we didn't want to co go right to stage three and, and make people think that witchcraft, can't do it, scary, <laughs> massive hill to climb to get there. It's all been about progressive. We don't want to burn you, David. It's well, yeah, exactly. So, you know, long and short, we've got um, in, in phase three, once we know the happiness of London now, which we know, mm -hmm. once we understand the happiness of London tomorrow, yes. what we can then start to do is say, okay, well, what pragmatic um, things can we do between today and tomorrow to change tomorrow? Okay, Ooh. now this sounds a bit out there and a bit far-fetched, but essentially it's no more difficult than, okay, so uh, if we know that the tubes are going to be out tomorrow or if we know that it's going to be a bit of a bit of a down day because last year we saw that actually, you know, social didn't like it, um, the weather is predicting to be pretty rubbish. So, mm -hmm. okay, well, I'll tell you what, we will um, we'll suggest that everyone goes and takes a different route. You know, we'll, we'll slightly modify everyone's route because there's actually something going on in by the river that's really interesting to go and look at. Yep. And it's all about how can we fundamentally change the happiness of London? Can we essentially put in place pragmatic steps that actually change the happiness of London? Now, this is where my, my happiness of London project sort of becomes a little bit abstract. But if you think about it in a business context, it's really, really, really important because if you're a retailer, if you're a sales organization, if you're a healthcare provider, if you're a farmer, knowing how well you're doing right now has limited value because it's mm -hmm. a bit retrospective. Yep. Knowing how well you're going to do tomorrow might be a little bit limiting because how well I'm going to do tomorrow will tell me how I can change tomorrow. Tell me what I need to do. Do I need to position a stock better? Do I need to plant a different type yes, of seed? Exactly. Do I need to use a different medicine? Do I need to you know, open later or put more staff on? Mm. That's valuable. That is, that is significantly valuable. And that is where we're going with, with analytics and that is where we start to roll in a lot of the cognitive technology. That's where we start to roll in a lot of the um, machine learning, you know, modeling type technologies. Um, well, you've hit on a you've hit on a term there, <coughs> modeling. You know, mm. this is where you, know, you you really do bring some of the some of the work from academia and the research yeah. labs in into a, a business context. Mm. You're not you're not sat there in the C-suite making a decision based on looking at one-dimensional data no. and a gut instinct as to, well, right, tomorrow, if we make this change today, we think it will have this effect tomorrow. Yeah. What you can do is you can, you can model it through. You can work through, well, right, this is what it looks like today. This is what we're predicting it looks, it's going to look like tomorrow. What would happen if we changed this? Yeah. Exactly. That's and that's the thing. You don't have to like just take the automated outcome of this is what it's going to be like tomorrow. You can absolutely model. What happens if we introduce this? What happens if we put stock there? Well, yeah. you know, based on what we know, based on what we predict, based on what we saw last year, based on what we, mm -hmm. you know, predicting the half of the rest of the year, you know, and, and don't forget, right, analytics is not the be all and end all. It is a 
tool for the enterprise to yes. help make better data-driven decisions. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, sentient. It's not going to turn around and skynet you. It's literally a tool, a very, very powerful tool. And that's how it should be seen. And, and mm. you know, in the world where the competitive edge is becoming thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner, the more tools you've got in your arsenal to make better decisions quicker, more accurately, more consistently, the better and more successful you will be. And, and let's be fair, yeah, it is not, or it is no longer in her hands of the, the top 1%, the, the global monolithic businesses no. that can, you know, set aside massive amounts of resource no. to work on this. It's absolutely it not. Is it's available to yeah, nearly everybody. Nearly, yes. yes. I won't say everybody, but Couldn't you're right. Nearly everyone. Couldn't agree more. And on that bombshell, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to go outside and look at the screens. Yes, yeah. Yay. Yeah, just to say, so Happy Zone is available. Um, it's a physical installation on a video wall in our new Dowgate office. Mm -hmm. It is um, a website at howhappies.london. Um, howhappies.london. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a social handle. So we're on Twitter at howhappiesLND. Yep, yeah. how yeah. LND. Um, by the way, that's how we're going to start doing some bi-directional communication. So when I'm talking about that phase three, where we're going to start to suggest <laughs> on how we change the happiness of London, we're going to basically automatically tweet out some suggestions automatically from our AI system. We're not going to have any input. We're going to see what the machine does. That could um, go anywhere. Yep. And uh, and probably the, my, my proudest version of Hampton <laughs> is actually um, our developer API. So if um, if anyone else out there has an interesting use for the data that we've created, the happiness of London Index or the happiness of or the happiness of the tubes or the happiness of the roads or anything like that, we actually present all of this stuff up as an API, mm -hmm. um, which you're more than welcome to consume. It's open, available. It's on my GitHub site. Um, white David papers as well. Pun. White oh yes, as well. and we wrote a big white paper that describes yeah. the whole thing uh, infinitely, which is also available on the website or GitHub. GitHub is David Fern slash How Happy London. Sounds um, familiar. So yeah, please, please check it out. And on that, that second bombshell, <laughs> thank you for reminding me pretty much the purpose of the podcast. Which is Don't worry. The, uh, Don't worry. PR can play me, pay me later. They certainly can, mate. Thank you for, being, thank you for joining us. It's been a us. pleasure. Thank you. Everyone, thank you for listening. I hope you find the How Happy London project useful. We certainly have, and we think it has um, a lot of good value to the channel to be able to explain and articulate the big data messaging going forward yeah come and speak to us we'll demo it we'll show you it yeah. and uh, we'll see if we can figure out how uh, we can help uh, our partners get involved forward yeah definitely awesome guys thank you very much and speak soon take care bye, Cheers, bye. now <laughs>